Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Today's episode is a conversation between myself and good friend Jeremiah Bear, who is a fellow coach in the space that runs a company called Bear Fit. This episode was really just a conversation between the two of us. We dive into a few questions that we both receive for the podcast, but we also just talk shop and catch up because we haven't really had a conversation for the past month since our last meetup inside of our mentorship that we're a part of. So in this episode, you're going to get some educational content, but more than that, you're really just going to listen to a conversation between two coaches that are in very similar positions in terms of our careers and where we're at. And I remember when I was a newer coach just getting into the space, I used to love listening to these types of conversations because there's a lot of just little things that you can pick up on in terms of people that are further along with you than their mindset than where their thoughts are at, the actions that they're taking, the struggles that they're having, the successes that they're finding. It just gives you an insight into those types of things that gives you a little bit more experience yourself of understanding what to expect throughout your career. And so if you are a fellow coach, then this might be an episode that you're really going to enjoy. And even if you're not a coach, there's a lot of really helpful information here that I think is going to benefit you a lot. So without further ado, let's just hop in. Good, bro. I apologize. I kind of pushed you in a spot there, like right mid-drink where you had to answer. No, it's all good. I'm drinking a drinking a Coke, so if I burp, I apologize. That's kind of against podcast <laughs> podcast ethics, but <laughs> I need some caffeine. You're good, bro. Coke for a caffeine source? Yeah, usually I do. So it's a Coke Zero, obviously, but usually I do White Monsters, but um, I haven't gone to the store the last couple of days, and for some reason, my wife brings home Coke Zero from the grocery store, so... Every now and again, I'll, I'll use that instead. It takes me like, this sounds terrible, but I'll drink like two or three Coke Zeros in a row just to get the same effect <laughs> as I would from a, from a monster. So sometimes you got to rough it and you got to do what you got to do, right? It is like an urgent situation when there's no caffeine around. That yeah. is, that's a rarity. Like we always have to like, worst case, I'll like find some like old pre-workout that I like to finish, <laughs> which is terrible. Dude, it's, it's bad. I... I, when we were in um, Seattle, just, what was that? Three weeks ago at this point, I think I went a day without caffeine. And that was the day that we did the, um, the deadlifts, the whole max out thing, you know, dude, I was wrecked. Like I had the worst headache in the entire world. And that's why looking back at it, I never get headaches, dude. Like I'm not the type to ever complain of a headache or feel that way. And I know that it was from having no caffeine for like two days straight because every day we went to Starbucks, I would just order a water and I have no no idea why in the hell I was doing that, but, uh, but yeah, no caffeine and it completely wrecked me. So it's definitely something I need to probably like slowly taper off to get away from <laughs> a little bit, um, to bring it back in. But when you're when busy travel, and you got lots going on, it is what it is. <laughs> when I travel, that's like one of my first priorities is making sure that I have like powdered sources of caffeine in case I get in a situation where it's like morning and I'm not going to have any, yeah. that, that, that cracks me up. That explains a lot. Like, Cause I know you, your head was killing you, dude. The pictures from that part too cracked me up so much because there's I was like, wrecked. 
we're all just like me and you and Tristan, like there's Tristan with his elbow just locked out where he like, can't miss. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. him like doing this, like trying to straighten his elbow and everyone's just fucking dying. So funny. That was fun though, dude. Like every time that we all get together and do that, like it's such a refresher. Like I'm going into that thing almost like not feeling sorry for myself, but just feeling maybe like overworked a little bit. You know what I mean? Like so much going on and, and come and realize everybody else is going through the exact same stuff. And like, it's kind of teaches you like nut up. Everybody else is going through the same thing as you and brings you home with a little bit of motivation. You know what I mean? Like it just gives you that energy to come home and get through another three months of like really pushing and really trying to grow um, to go back out and get refueled again, if that makes sense. No, absolutely, dude. And I, I do feel like it's always needed by like three months. The same thing. I feel like I always like get in my head a lot more where I feel like when I come back from those things are always going so much smoother and I have a such good perspective, but with like too much time, which is interesting. I'm not quite sure how to get better about this, but like with, it's almost just like seeing, not even from like a mindset, but like business or like your clients, like seeing other people's perspectives of things that are working very well for them. I feel like you take so much from that. Whereas like what we do is kind of isolated. Like when we're on our, our, on our own and it's easy to just like, you're just doing your thing. And then almost can like get in a rut of just like, not looking for outside perspectives to fix problems. I know this all sounds like very vague, but does that make sense? No, it, it makes 100% sense. And I think as coaches that that's really important, right? Because like from my perspective with it, we put so much energy into helping others become successful, like with what they're doing and the goals that they hire us to help them with. And for myself, anyway, I find myself not filling that cup back up from mm an outside source for me in specific areas when I'm giving it to, to everybody that I'm working with that I find when we come and get together, all of us, I guess that's what I was trying to say before it fills that cup up for me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and then I kind of drain it as I go out and I try to produce and produce and, and help and coach people and, and create an impact. Um, and then like, it's almost like, like, yeah, I come and that's what recharges me to like, give me the energy and perspective to just keep pushing and, and just continue doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Because like the group of guys for all of us that get together, we set lofty goals. You know what I mean? Like we get together and like, we start talking. I, I don't know if other people set those types of goals and maybe put as much pressure on themselves to produce the way that we do. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of those types of groups. And so, so yeah, I think it's, I just think it's important. I, I couldn't agree more, dude. I truly, I think one of the most helpful things that I've done. Um, tell me what's going on with you right now, man. Where's, how's the business going? It's going good, dude. We, um, I released, well, I guess that podcast will come out. What's today? Today's Tuesday. It'll come out on Thursday. So probably roughly the same time that this podcast is coming out on yours. Will this release for you later in the week? Uh, Friday. Cool. Yeah. So so yeah, we are, I brought a coach onto the team. We've got him set up with some clients, Alex, um, really smart dude. He went to school. Um, he's getting his bachelor's in exercise science, tons of certifications through N1 and has been personal training for four or five years now. So I brought him on, um, just because I've gotten to a point where I can't really just continue to bring everybody underneath of, of my umbrella and work with me on a one-to-one -one basis, just because I can only work with so many people at a time. Right. So it's kind of at that choice. Like, do I start putting together a wait list and just like pushing people 
out or do I really try to build loss and lifting into something bigger than Chaz Backman, right. if that makes sense. And so um, for me, it made more sense to build a team and really push the, the message and the brand of lost and lifting rather than just trying to push the message of Chaz solely because I, can, I know I can go so much further if I build out a team that all has the same vision as I do if that makes sense. And so Alex ended up working out really well. He's just like a, a younger version of me basically is like how I look at it, which has been super cool. Like we align very, very well in terms of training and nutrition and our philosophies and the mindset side of it and the emotional side of it and all that kind of stuff. And so after a bit of time and we went through a bit of an internship for a couple months, trying to get everything lined out to really make sure that it would work. Um, everything just kept clicking one week after week after week after week and got to a point to our, I was comfortable enough to, to make him a full-time coach and a part of the brand. And so we've been going through not really like rebranding, but just getting everything like specified, if that makes sense. So like we've switched my Instagram to Chas Spackman and we went over and made an old lost and lifting page. Um, it was actually a lost and lifting foods page that we had made way back in the day for some weird, well, actually the page started as my wife's Clara. So when she was a coach, she was lost and lifting for her. And so she had built up a little bit of a falling over there on that page. And then she stopped coaching and we changed it to lost and lifting foods. And it was just sitting there not being used. So then I switched, turned that into the lost and lifting um, like brand page now. So, so yeah, we've been doing a little bit of that stuff and I've just really been focused on like building what I'm doing into something bigger than myself, I guess, which has been really fun for me because I'm, I'm the t I love growth. Right. Like I love seeing things continue to progress. And when they don't, I get really, really bored. So that's like a, a, a long rant of what's been going on. But like that's where I've been the last few weeks anyway. I love it, dude. It fires me up too to see everything you guys are doing. It is cool to, uh, to me lately, what we're doing feels very similar because we're in relatively similar places with everything mm -hmm. as well. And it almost kind of brings me back to like, before the business was actually like somewhat successful when it was just like, I was dreaming of everything that I could turn it into in my head someday. But then I think there's like a period of time where it's just like, okay, I have to put my head down and just like do the technician work. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and of course like coaching clients is always such a big piece of it. Like training mm -hmm. is always such a big piece of it. But I think there is like, like you said, and when it's not growing, you get bored and it is easy to, I fall on the same thing so many times. It is easy to like, okay, these are the boxes that I have to take today to make sure everyone gets a great service. But then you like, it's easy to kind of lose sight of like, this is all the dope shit that we could do. This is like what I could do, like appeal to more people. This is like, and there's, this is what we could do to the brand. Like there's very much like the last couple months too is to come back to like, just from that perspective, it's so fun to like rekindle that a bit. Does that make sense? No, it makes 100% sense. And like the hard part with doing that is learning to delegate right like if you want to get to the point to where you can focus on some of like the growth of the company and building things up you have to learn how to delegate other things like i know for me with my assistant i've been giving her more and more jobs now with things that i don't need to be doing that i'm doing every single day with bringing alex on to give him clients that come into the business um, that I would usually be helping putting them in, in somebody else that I trust Foley's hands to take care of them and just oversee that from, um, like an, an overview perspective, just to make sure that things are progressing in the way that they should bringing on, um, Trav to help me with the podcast. He's doing all of my editing and everything like that now. So, so yeah, just like I'm at a point now it's like, 
and then building out the, the loss and lifting page and things like that. Like I don't have time to sit and, and make a bunch of graphics to help build like a, a really cool branded loss and lifting page. You know what I mean? So like it's all stuff I really want to do and, and writing blogs and updating the website. I've got that going on. It's like, I've just had to really learn that. Okay. I feel like I've maxed out what I can do alone. You right. know what I mean? And so it's either stay here and be happy with it. And it's awesome. Like talk to me two, three years ago, I would have been ecstatic about where I'm sitting at right now. But then you get there and it's like, okay, what's next? You know what I mean? And, and for me, and I know it's very similar for you too. It's like, okay, how do I start learning how to delegate and actually start steering this ship to deeper waters rather than just staying where I'm at and, um, and being okay with that. And everybody's a little bit different, right? Like not everybody's going to want to turn their business into like every trainer anyway. They don't need a a big brand that's something bigger than themselves. You know what I mean? But then like, you just have to know yourself really well to know what's going to make you happy long-term. And for me, it's always upping the ante and getting to like that next phase. And if I'm not doing that, I know that I just get to a, like, I get anxious. And so, so yeah. I think for both of us, there's like not an option outside of like continually growing things. Yeah. Cause like you said, you get anxious, you get like, I get depressed if I don't feel like I'm moving forward, which again is, it's kind of a weird, like figuring out. I mean, I guess like, it just always has to grow. I know that's something I thought about a lot as well too. Like, is there going to be a point where I'm ever happy with like where we're at, which I think is something that is very much like you have to know about yourself too. Like probably not, but I need to know yeah. all my self-worth and like our growth either. But it's, it's an interesting conversation for sure, dude. That's the game though right? Like really? that's what got us started in fitness. Like if you think about it, like you started training back in the day and like you always thought I'll be happy when I have a six pack or I'll be happy when I'm jacked or whatever it is. And then like it got to the point where like, okay, I'll be happy when I can help other people do the same thing. And then it turns into a business and then you start growing that. And it's like, okay, well, I'll be happy when, when I have a team around me that's helping more than people. That, like it's just always this stepping stone to the next phase. And like, you got to remember, I think people get so caught up in the destination and like finding a journey or finding a de destination. And this is cliche, but people get so caught up in trying to get to a destination rather than realizing that the, there really isn't a destination when it comes to this kind of thing. And there's just a journey that you're along the ride for. No, absolutely. Dude. And that's, that's a conversation I've had with my client Paul the other day. We were talking about like your physique um, and like realizing that no one else really like cares that much how <laughs> you are. No, like, you, like when we're looking at, I think that one of the first episodes we did together, where we talked about social anxiety. We talked about like this idea that you perceive the world as like everyone around you is just thinking about you and like looking at like, oh, like Jeremiah's pecs look smaller than they did. <laughs> <laughs> like we think about just wild shit like this, but the reality is everyone around you is just thinking the same thing. Like thinking about how you're perceiving them, not actually most people aren't actually just like constantly thinking about this. So it's very much like the, the conclusion of that conversation was from like a, even like a physique development standpoint, it's very much you are doing this to push to be the best version of yourself. And like realizing that like a getting to this like specific point physically, probably it might get you a little bit of recognition from other people, but that's not really like the thing. And it's kind of an empty thing. It's like constant growth and improvement. Same thing with business is really for most or for many people, I would say many people that listen to the show, like constant growth is probably one of the things that drives you and inspires you the most. Um, yeah, dude, I do feel though, like with all this, I definitely feel like this is the healthiest relationship. I've, I have feel like I have 
the last like year there was a time where I like hit the point where I was like okay I hit like in like 2012 when I set like my goals for I want to have like this many clients and make this much or whatever when I hit those there was a time where it was like just felt like such a lull or like a letdown because like now what like this is literally what I've worked for for like eight years but since then that really caused me to go a lot deeper into all this and I think I feel now this is kind of a random tangent that this is super relevant, but for me, I feel very much like in a good place with understanding that it is kind of just this constant pursuit in those areas. Yeah, no, I think that that's really important to, to realize too. Like I know for myself, like those stages were just how you talked about, like you said, a specific revenue target and working with a certain amount of people. Like when I get here, I'll feel like I've made it right. And like what happened for me was, I hit, I hit that first, my first reaction to that was like, I was scared because now how am I going to hold on to it? I felt like I was always going to lose it. You know what I mean? Like that was the first initial reaction for the first few months. Um, so like working through that and trying to get out of scarcity and more into an abundance type mindset. And then once I did that, then I started to get not bored, but just like antsy, like, okay, like this is good, but like, how do I move this to the next what's the next phase from like, what's the next stepping stone. And then from there, like you start to realize, okay, there is that next stepping stone. And how do I start to achieve that? Do you know what I mean? Like those three phases for me, it's, it's scared. Okay. How do I hold on to this? I feel like I'm going to lose it. It maybe get like a little bit bored and it's okay. Let's figure out what I can do next to continue pursuing whatever that next thing's going to be. So when we're talking about scarcity, what do you feel like helps you get out of that? If you have any, because I think that's that's something that comes up a lot with like new trainers or new coaches or shit, not even relevant to someone trying to build a business, but just in life in general, I think scarcity is one of the biggest things that like outside of training and nutrition, I get asked about, do you like to get yourself out of scarcity? Do you have like a specific mindset or anything that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question for me, dude. Like really it comes back to the core message that I push through lost and lifting and it's persistence. Do you know what I mean? Like I know through my, I still feel scarcity all the time. Like it always comes up, but what I always resort back to is my whole life with training, with business, with fitness, with relationships, all that kind of stuff. I've always tried to remain persistent at what I've done and it's always helped me continue to progress and things have just fallen into place in some sort of a way that they were supposed to. Do you know what I mean? And so that's, that's really what I always try to come back to. And then with that, like you can just say persistence. Yeah, I keep trying, but, but really it comes down to gaining experience in those scarce mindsets and building awareness around it in my, um, in my own opinion, just because you can say, don't, don't feel scarce. Like I have, um, I have mentees that I work with and whatnot that are in those same situations and I can try to tell them to just get over it and think abundance. Right. But it's like, no, you have to go through the experience of feeling a little bit scarce of feeling like you're going to lose it to continue putting in the work to realize that if you just keep putting in the work, like it's not going to go away. You didn't get here by accident. You know right. what I mean? And as long as you keep doing what you were doing and aim to get 1% better every single day, you're going to continue to thrive and continue to get better and better. But if you don't and you choose to back off, well, then if you're going to, if you're scarce, things might start to crumble a little bit, but there's always a solution to, 
to if you're feeling scarce and, and when things like that happen. And the solution to me has always just been to remain persistent. And whenever I've done that, I've continued to push forward and get to that next step. So yeah, does that make sense? No, I love it, man. And the, the interesting thing about that too is many of the situations, and it would depend on how we're defining scarcity, but many of the situations that make you feel like, I would, I would correlate most uncomfortable situations with situations that make me feel the sense of scarcity. Like I don't have this person on the podcast and they're going to like expose the world what a dumbass I am and then my business is going to fall apart or something like that. That said, like, which is the most uncomfortable thing, but that if we're like trying to get, and I, I get it with like the thinking negatively and like everything's going to fall apart probably is not helpful. But like the situations that kind of spur me to feel like that, like, ugh, this doesn't feel good. I feel so uncomfortable. If there's a lack of those for even like a couple of weeks, that's when things like very similar to what you're saying. Like I'm not putting myself in uncomfortable situations that are like, those are always the situations that are almost always like causing us to grow. And like you said, it like doesn't necessarily go away like all the uncomfortable or the uncomfortable moments I think of like the shit you have to do but almost always at least in my experience like when I'm not exposing myself to those things that it's like going into them it's like fuck I'm like scared to do this I'm nervous to do this it just again like things start to stagnate or even regress whereas like those are always the things that they are very uncomfortable going to but post like the afterwards you're always so glad you did it and that's like the catalyst for growth it's just an interesting, like, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> interesting dichotomy. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's actually correct, but we'll roll with it. Uh, really? I, think I, like, I don't know. I'm not that smart, if I'm being honest. Even dichotomy, two things. Oh, no. I, I think it's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I trust your judgment. Um, yeah. Anyways, I don't really have anything else to add to that. Uh, I think that that's important, man. Did you, um, did you get some questions? I did get a couple. Do you have any? Yeah, I've got two of them here that are semi in-depth that we can hop into too. Let's, um, let's hop into those then. How about you go first? Oh, all right. I have, how should training be set up during a fat loss phase? It's a good question. So when it comes to fat loss, I think what a lot of people get misconstrued here is that your change your training should change a whole lot compared to when you're trying to build muscle but just as when you're trying to build muscle when you're trying to lose body fat i would say that the goal should still be to try to build muscle but what ends up happening as a result of that depending on where you're at in your experience level how long you've been going at this whole thing if you're more advanced then you'll at the very least end up um sustaining or maintaining the amount of muscle that you have Right. If that makes sense. And if you're more of a beginner, maybe an intermediate, you're gonna be able to put on a little bit of muscle during that fat loss phase as well. So really, I would say you should still focus on strength, you should still focus on progressive overload, um, with mostly resistance training, and then you can sprinkle cardio in on top of that if needed, um, to help in terms of creating a bigger deficit, um, just in terms of your expenditure to create faster fat loss, you can manipulate cardio a little bit there, but to try to think that you want to go to drop body fat and think, okay, I'm going to focus more on cardio and just a little bit on strength or um, hypertrophy training. I would say that's, what's going to push you to drop, lose muscle during that process and not look as good. So to keep it very simple, I'll let 
I'll let Jeremiah get into the deep science of it here in just a second. But I would say that you should really just focus on, even when you're trying to drop body fat, you should focus on trying to build muscle and let your nutrition take care of you dropping body fat. I agree. I don't have any deep science to add to that, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, always trying to build muscle. Like you said, you probably just, if you're going into a fat loss phase, I would assume you were like in a phase focusing on building a lot of muscle. So suddenly, like your training shifts to, be geared towards burning calories is probably going to be a shitty stimulus for building or maintaining muscle, which you need. So thus you can kind of get in the cycle of I build muscle during, during building phases, I lose muscle during fat loss phases. And that was kind of the same. I don't think I have yeah. any. No, I, yeah, that's pretty spot on. Question numero dos. If I have a client who's been under eating for a long time and wants to lose weight in three months, how long would you put them in a calorie surplus before allowing them to cut? It's pretty vague, but. I think we can dive into that. That is such, <laughs> uh, how long you put them in? So basically oh. if I have a client who's been under eating for a long time and, they, but they still want to lose weight in the next three months, how long would you put them into a surplus before cutting again? Which really, do you have to put them into a surplus? Not necessarily, but. Yeah, I would say it's so context dependent again. Like how, how lean is the individual is the biggest thing that I would say there. Like if someone that's, and that's the big, from my perspective, the biggest thing with like, do we need to reverse diet? Do we need to spend more time building is how lean is the person ending this fat loss phase at, right? Um, or like have they been dieting super hard for, and again, I guess they said they've been under eating for quite some time. So I would assume here that like, it's probably an individual who is already pretty damn lean uh, is the direction I would take it. If they've, if they've been under eating for a long time, then they lost a lot of body fat. I think that's important to say, let me stop you right there for just two seconds and and point that out because a lot of people will think that they've been under eating. And if they're like, just to be blunt, if they're still overweight, they probably actually haven't been under eating. That's a good, exactly. And that's like, uh, I was doing a, I was doing like a coaching session for the daily pursuit team last week. How'd that go? Very good. It was super fun. Good for you. Like that. But, uh, one of the things that came up was like, hey, I have this woman that's like 260 pounds, but we've been dieting for about 12 weeks. So I think I need to like stop and like take her through like a couple months of reverse dieting. And that's the thing. Like if we look at like for her, one, we know that, okay, she's probably like the best thing we can do for overall health is get her to a more healthy body fat ASAP. Like reverse dieting isn't going to do anything magical to like fix any part of her body. Again, like it's it's so easy for people to get like, I've been under eating and I can't lose weight when really it's like, especially, and that's the thing with like most like an overweight individual, not by like, let's say like an obese individual, if they aren't as lean, if they're like quote unquote under eating and they can't get lean, it's probably either a, their activity levels are very, very low. So something to pay mind to B, maybe there is like a thyroid issue or something like that. And they should definitely get some blood work done. Or C, again, it's often like, so I've tracked my calories. I only eat 1,500 calories. But I know like a lot of times I see with like new plants that come on board. Then it's like, hey, on second thought, I actually don't normally track my weekends. And that was kind of like, I tracked that one day. And that day was 1,500 calories. So that's kind of like how I assume. But almost always we can find there's like, okay, now there's actually these massive discrepancies. Or people are trying to get, are just trying to diet too aggressively on like, 1500 calories or 1200 calories and it's like I can only stick to this for a couple days then I fall off the wagon so 1200 calorie diets don't work for me but that's a great I love that you brought that up 
uh, kind of lost my train of thought there. So then I would say, okay, this person is pro. So that's pro honestly, I think in the context of this question, that's probably like the answer in and of itself. I would say past that point because otherwise it would be like if they've been severely under eating for a long time. We know this is a very like this is a very lean individual. So in that case, I would say don't eat them in three months. Like we know that like bodybuilders coming back from a show prep is going to take typically three to six months just for hormones to return to normal. And like if they don't have the physique that they want when they're as lean as they are already, then they probably just need to spend like a good six months focusing on eating more and building more muscle mass. And then that's probably like typically like, again, if someone's super lean and they don't look the way they want, it's due to a lack of muscle mass, which is going to be added in a building phase. So I would say like on that end of the spectrum, I wouldn't push the client to lose weight in the next three months, six months, honestly, it would probably be close to like a year before I could say, Hey, you might be closer to the end result, like level of leanness and level of muscularity you want. That makes sense. No, 100%. And, and the one thing that I would say there with the little comment that I brought in too, is if they come to you and they say that they're, they're under eating, but yet they still have a decent amount of body fat to lose, make them prove that they were under eating by getting them tracking at like a little bit of a higher intake and see how their body responds from there. And then that will give you a really good insight at what you need to do. And if it, I mean, if they, if they were over under eating and let's say they're eating, who knows how many it could be the, the number is, is not the point, but let's say they're eating a thousand to 1200 calories per day and, and you bump them up to a reasonable 1600 or 1700 and they start um, they start gaining weight. Well, then, you know, their, their metabolism is downregulated. They've got something going on with their hormones. And then you need to get all of that figured out first. Um, if that makes sense and then use biofeedback as your guide from there. So, so no, I, I think that you hit it perfectly. I, that makes total sense. I like it, dude. Um, I, that's variations of that question are probably like the most common, one of the most common questions that we come up, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. Yeah. All the time, especially like I talk with a lot of coaches, right? Like a lot of nutrition coaches who will just ask me for whatever reason, random questions about like clients that they're working with, or, or just even, um, just people will ask me like, how long should I be in a deficit? How long should I be at maintenance after a deficit? Like it's so dependent upon the individual and what your history has already looked like. And plus what you're trying to achieve if that makes sense. And so like with anything in fitness, there's so much context to it, but especially when you start asking durations on things, it gets really hard to answer it without knowing, like taking you through a questionnaire and understanding where you're at and where you're trying to go and, and really be able to dial things in. And that's like, even the, like everyone should diet or everyone should take X amount of time at maintenance. I hate that. I don't, I don't, I don't, it's like, where are you pulling these numbers from? Like mm -hmm. it varies so much from person person like how lean do they get what's it anyways um what type of squat would you program for someone who didn't want to put too much emphasis on their quads what kind of a squat if they didn't want to put too much of an emphasis on their quads first it would depend on how they set up for the squat ultimately too like i would want to see their form and just how much um they end up with a hinge at their hips compared to a, a bend at their knee in the movement to understand what's happening there but from there like my brain immediately goes to maybe something like a, a box squat or maybe like a um a single leg bulgarian split squat with a with a forward lean to put a bigger emphasis on the glutes things like that but again it would, it would first come to looking at what their squat looks like like right off the bat i probably wouldn't 
wouldn't um, program a safety bar squat or just a standard squat if they stay pretty upright in that movement. But if they create a decent um, bend or a decent hinge at the hips during that movement, like a low bar squat or something like that, then I would potentially look at doing that more um, just because there's not quite as big of flexion at the knee. For sure. I, I love it, man. And that's, again, it's more so about the execution of the movement. Mm -hmm. Like you alluded to, like, okay, a high bar squat would probably hard, be hard to make anything but quad dominant or the, like a safety bar squat as well. And I, I was, I'd say the same thing, like a low bar squat, um, a box squat. And really, uh, as far as squats go. How do you feel about the box squat? Like people are so different on it. And like when it comes to, I guess, um, hypertrophy, maybe it doesn't make a, a ton of sense. But like, what are your overall thoughts? Do you ever program it or the type of people you work with? It's probably not um, something that's very useful. Yeah. So I, again, it just depends. So when I first started coaching, I worked with a lot of clients who were very gym pop and were like, when I was training people in person, the box squat was a tool I used a lot because basically at the time, like people didn't have, like the clients was bringing on, it was their first time like being in the gym and we'd say, okay, like let's, let's assess their squat. How does this look? And their squat would basically like be them falling over their toes. Right. Mm -hmm. Then like, Hey, let's use the box squat to kind of teach you how to sit back into this a little bit more. So like from that perspective, it was a good tool. Um, I think for like, uh, for like athletes, it makes sense. I know. And I know like Westside Barbell uses it for a ton. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what the specific application to powerlifters is, but I know it makes sense there as well. For hypertrophy, like typically, and I would say as a whole, like, and I would love to hear your take on this also, but I don't think that like a back squat or like a, a barbell or safety bar squat variation as a whole, is probably just generally not the best variation for glutes. Like if you want to make it a glute specific movement, I would probably do like a reverse lunge or a Bulgarian split squat or something like that. So yeah, I think like for hypertrophy, like for quads, it's going to severely limit your knee flexion. So you're not going to get as much out of it. And then I, I think like for, uh, it is a good movement to like hypes, like a strength movement, I think is a good way to like get someone excited about their ability to move a lot of weight. But past that, it's, it's, it's been a very long time outside of like, again, like a client that has knee issues and we're trying to teach them how to like function day to day and like how to move through the squat pattern without knee pain. A lot of times, like, that's, again, like, something that would be helpful. But that was more something that would come up, like, when I was working with a lot newer individuals than now. Yeah, no, that makes 100% sense. I'll, I'll phase it in, in in some of the ladies programming that I do that work out in, like, garage gyms and whatnot that just love the idea of training. Like, they're not – they want to, like, be strong and, like, have fun with their training. They just like the variation. And as long as they understand that we're doing it for the purpose of like to move weight and, and to enjoy training and, and to get stronger, and it's not necessarily going to correlate to a ton of hypertrophy, then I, I think it's super useful, but it's context dependent, just like you said. Exactly. And that's like for that, I think it's a good, like, it's safe if you're going to do like, Hey, we're going to do some heavy ass squats. And again, like you said, like, if that's the thing that gets the client hyped up to train, they're like, it's squat day, let's go. That's dope. And, but then that's a good way to like program it in a safe manner. Um, I think, I think that's a smart application of it. Yeah. 100%. Cool. My turn. Sir. How do you handle eating out socially? I am good at staying on track when out, but it feels weird to be the only one not eating at the event. 
So normally what I always tell clients is planning ahead is kind of the crux of flexible dieting. So on one hand, that's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Like I try to, I also try to make sure I don't tell people like, you're not going to eat at this event. That's the wrong thing to do. Or on the flip side, like you should eat at this event. Typically I'll just tell people like, Hey, here's like what it will take to make this work. Typically here's like your trade-offs. Um, it could be a little bit less accurate with your tracking. Are you okay with that? And like you determine for yourself, like what's the best option and then I'll guide you from there. Now that said, like for me personally, I know that like, especially in a building phase, most always, I honestly, I think it's relatively easy to like make events work. Um, but first you just need to plan ahead a bit. So typically like what I'll tell clients is, okay, so like if you're winging it going into like a, an event and again, it like, I have a shit ton of calories to work with right now. So it's a little bit easier, but like when you're in a fat loss phase, for example, that's when it's going to be a little bit harder. You probably are going to have to plan ahead a bit more. So typically I'll tell people like, it's a good idea to try to plan the morning of, or even the night before just like, okay, I know I'm going out roughly. What are you going to eat the next day? So like that night, um, okay, I'm probably going to have like three glasses of wine and I'm going to eat this. Okay. I'm going to plug that into my fitness pal first from there, plug in protein sources for like the rest of the day to make sure you hit your protein goal. And then kind of like try to fill your remaining calories with, I would say fibrous carbs. So like mostly fruits and veggies to make sure you get plenty of filling foods. You're not absolutely starving going into the event. Um, that's typically like how I would say to start structuring it. And then even if you want to leave like a 200, 300, 500 calorie buffer, whatever, so you have more room to work with. But basically from there, then like to even for a client who's tracking macros, I typically like say, hey, take a flex day where you're just focusing on calories and protein. Um, and then from there, it's super helpful. To, that's honestly, that's the biggest piece of it. Like if you do that, you won't just blow your day out of the water no matter what. It's really when you're like in a fat loss phase, but I'm even eating just as I normally across the rest of the day I haven't planned ahead at all then it's when it's a little bit more challenge whereas if you focus mostly on lean proteins fruits veggies whole food carb sources it's honestly hard to be that high calorie by the end of the day and then from there like when you're eating out at restaurants things like that focus on simple meals so basically the fewer ingredients a food has or a meal has the better so like if you could go out and you would get like the lasagna which has okay it's probably going to be impossible for us to track this accurately or I could get like a steak and there's potato on the side or like, so typically like if you look at the entree section of the menu, that's where it's going to be easiest to, okay, this is typically like, again, fish, chicken, or beef with like a whole foods carb source as the main side, like be that rice or a potato or something of that nature. And then even then, like, if you want to just hop in my fitness pal quick, like after you order it, okay, I can eat like three fourths of the steak, half this potato, and I can still make this work with my macros. Again, if you're willing to plan ahead just a bit, it's not, one, you don't have to feel like you can't, you just like have to not eat out at all. And really, again, like, unless it's the, the client chooses, like, hey, I would rather just not, it's, it's pretty empowering to teach people how to make that work. Because in my opinion, like once you get the hang of it, it's not, it's not that challenging. Give any I no, I agree 100%. I would say first and foremost, just like you said, keeping the meal simple is always going to help you be the most accurate um, at the end of the day. But like past that, I think that you nailed that right on just planning ahead in terms of um, very simple, lower calorie foods throughout the day, high protein foods to keep you full so that you can enjoy more calories at night. But let's say that, let's take that a couple steps further. 
the second thing that you could do if you know that you have social occasions coming up and what I do with clients a lot of the time, instead of setting them up with like specific refeed ratios. So like every other week or only once a month on we'll auto-regulate these dependent upon their social occasions that they have coming up. Right. And that's where we'll just throw in where we know if they have um, a date night or they're going out to an event or something like that. Okay. Well, those are the times of the month where we're going to give you an extra 500 to maybe even 700 calories on those days just to be able to chill out a little bit so that you can first and foremost be a little bit lighter throughout the day just like jeremiah said but then at night if you want to include some of those more complex foods and things like that well then at that point we're just going to implement the one plate rule to where eat whatever you want that fits on one plate maybe two or three glasses of wine whatever that drink may be and then one plate of dessert and you're not even going to track it and is it going to be perfect absolutely not like you're not going to be right on point but then after that we just simply get up back on track the next day back to your lower calories and we move forward and if you do that and consistently put together more precise days than those social occasions that happen every now and again i think you'll be on point but again that's when you're doing it a little bit more sparingly if you're trying to do that every weekend that's not going to work for you. You're not going to create that great of progress because there's going to be a lot of fluctuation there. But if you're doing that, like with my clients, I'm, I'm honestly with a good amount of them that I can think of that like live in the cities and are out and about and, and doing things like that. Like we're including those types of things a couple of times a month and they're mad successful. We're still losing a good amount of weight consistently over time, but um, we're being very intentional throughout the rest of our time so that we can have a little bit of that time away that refuels them to be able to come back to it and be more intentional and stay tedious with tracking and being on track with, with calories more often. It's almost uh, like a cheat day in a way, but I never, I never refer it that way, refer right. to it as that. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm going to give you like a free night, then just implement the one plate rule. And like, just be smart through the day, higher protein, lower calorie food choices, implement that one plate rule at night. We'll, we'll deem that your refeed. It's not very scientific, but like for most people mentally it works and like it just keeps them moving forward. And it gives them a little bit of that extra fuel, like refuels them to be able to continue moving forward in the coming days because they don't feel so restricted. I like that a lot, dude. I think that's a very good way to approach it without like making it overly complex yeah. to like having an untracked meal. And again, like, I think, I think the context too is important. Like if you're trying to, if you're doing, much so. if you're doing, trying to go from 10% body fat to like 8% body fat, if you're already super, super lean again, like the leaner you are, the harder it is to not be extremely accurate. But again, like I think for a gym pop client that just wants to get leaner and move better, feel better. I think that's a great approach. And that's actually probably something I'm going to start stealing for some of our clients. Cause I like that a lot, man. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful. But again, I would agree 100%. Like I have a few clients right now that are getting ready for photo shoots and like they're five, six, seven weeks out. I'm probably not implementing that at this point, <laughs> right? Because they're not in a situation to where they can handle quite as much of the fluctuation because they're on a timestamp to get to a select spot. But if you're doing this as a lifestyle and you're really wanting to, to do it sustainably and build a, a healthy, non-restrictive relationship with food, like to me, keeping it more simple like that and not so into the numbers um, is just more sustainable. And that's something too, like speaking of what, like taking about earlier, we talked about learning from other coaches. I feel like that's something that I pick up from you guys where it can be too, it can almost be detrimental to have too much. Like if we go into that, like, you know, when I first like try to give a client uh, an unstructured, like an untracked meal, there was still like, okay, we have the, like two palm sized portions of protein and you're gonna like hit this 
And then before, let's make sure you eat this and like so many parameters around it where <laughs> it almost so I could like still have a rough idea of what the macros were. And then I realized like, okay, it that, really matter. That, that <laughs> one that didn't really, that didn't work. <laughs> you didn't hear any of it. But again, just things that you learn from other people. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, how go the clients prepping for the photo shoot? It's going good, man. Um, shout out to Jordan. Jordan, if you're listening to this, he was actually talking about doing a show. That's why he initially hired me. And then we started working. He dropped like his first 12 pounds in the first like seven weeks. Like things really started to move forward really quickly. And um, at that point, he got into it a little bit and just started to realize, okay, was I doing this show because I really wanted to do the show or was I doing the show because I like the idea of doing a show? You know right. what I mean? Like there's two different distinctions there. I, I've been in that situation before. I was prepping for a show. I was like, wait. I don't really want to do a show. Like I'm just doing the show for the idea of the show. And you know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, we switched his goal and moved him to a photo shoot instead. He's a coach actually. And so, I mean, getting lean is helps with marketing, right? So he just switched it and booked a photo shoot instead. So we're, we're preparing for it the exact same way. And he's absolutely crushing it. Like I said, we started the first of the year. So we're about a little over two months in now. So about eight weeks and he's down like Started at 212. I think he touched a, a weigh-in around 199. He's still feeling really good. He's, a, he's kind of a genetic freak. He's dieting down. He, we, he started at 3,500 calories, and I'm dieting right now on, I think he's at like 28, 2,900 calories. And so What's it's been that? fun. Uh, he started at 212, and he's at like 199 right now. So he's not like – it's pretty impressive. Like he's got a strong metabolism. He's not – he's decently active, but not like crazy active to where like, oh, like not a CrossFitter by any means. You know what I mean? No, oh, for sure. Damn, that's dope. Getting people ready for a photo shoot is so fun, dude. I think especially like coaches that come, and I don't know if it's just because it reminds me of like so much of like it was such a huge turning point for me and for the business as well. Like, but like taking coaches through that process for the first time, and they've like never been able to get themselves up before, and like seeing how much that just changes one how they perceive themselves, but two like. And being shredded, I think, is probably one of the least important things for getting clients. But I think that, like, there is a ton of power to, like, being a coach and your clients really, truly see you, like, practicing what you preach and, like, documenting that journey and, like, again, achieving, like, an aesthetic result that is, like, the climax of what they could want is mm-hmm. climax of weird word to use there. But, uh, <laughs> you get, like, I get what you're saying. Uh, it's, a, it's a very cool thing because it – truly like you see people's um like i know one of our clients is just starting one of my clients is just starting this process right now and it's so cool to and i very much like related my own journey to her uh like doing that with cody years ago and it's so cool to see her like she's so on top of her content game now she's putting so much like out there and it's 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 just cool to see dude. it gets me fired up yeah bro coaches need coaches right like for, what, for whatever reason, the last, um, the last few months, I guess, I've started working with a lot of other coaches um, on their training and nutrition. They've hired me to help them with that. And like, I think what it does for them, I see the exact same thing. Like, as they start working with me, now they're practicing what they're preaching. And so it gives them this extra confidence boost to, to push out a lot more content, to see how somebody else is coaching and their systems and be like, okay, my systems do stack up to this. And like, it just gives you that direction. You know what I mean? Like I know for myself, 
that's what I was missing to take the next leap in my career more than like my actual fitness. For some reason, like I got extremely shredded and never hired a nutrition coach or anything. I just did it myself. Now, didn't do it correctly because I didn't realize the importance of, of reverse dieting and coming back to a maintenance and stayed super low calorie for like a two year period. But, but getting back to what I was saying, when you hire somebody else, like it kind of gets you out of your imposter syndrome because you start to see how other coaches are, are working. And it's not like in this, in the shadows, like you don't, you don't understand what they're doing or how they're helping people. And you get in the thick of that and it gives you the confidence to be able to go do it as well. So, so yeah, I, I love that process when coaches come on and I start working with them. Like those are some of my favorite clients to work with. No, for sure. And that's not even like, I, I want to make sure that I don't know how to put this necessarily. Just I want to that like whoever, <laughs> like what, make sure that like hire whoever we see as the best people out there. Okay. I'm going to make sure that what we're doing is better than what we're doing. Like the service that we're giving, whereas I might not like be as smart as that individual yet. Or same thing with like, like Andrea, like, Basically, I pay for her to work with a coach or a good chunk of it to work with a coach. It's a good team. idea. It's a good so, idea. And of course, like one, because I want her to be fired up about it. Two, it like has to be someone that I haven't worked with that like has different viewpoints than like what we have. So she can learn and she can teach me like what they're teaching her also. But three to like, again, make sure, okay, these are two of the best coaching services out there. What do we like that they're doing? what like parts of now again like every coach that i've worked with i can't say enough good things about so that's like the biggest thing here i don't want to sound like i'm like shooting on any coaching service because because like all the coaches i've worked with but again it like gives you like okay this is the bar this is what i need to surpass right i love that idea i love the idea of like for the coaches that like for andrea who works um underneath your umbrella of help or of helping fund her work with somebody else because of how much you believe in coaching. I'm going to steal that and start using that right off of the bat. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, so yeah, 100%. Kind of like those runs, like me, like seeing what your time is so I can make sure that I beat it. <laughs> how's that going? I like to, yeah, I want to talk about that. How's your, uh, <laughs> how are the runs going? Not bad, dude. Honestly, I feel like. Yours have been fast, bro. Like I was genuinely surprised. I was like, damn, he's moving. He's <laughs> just got long legs. I don't, <laughs> honestly, man, I've, I feel like I have, I'm a runner at heart, bro. I, it hasn't really? been at all, Like, yeah. is that in your background? You ran? No, I never did. But every time I've run, it was like pretty easy. Uh, really? My dad was a big cross country runner. I know like some of my siblings have been like cross country runners and it seems like it's come pretty naturally. So I, I don't know, man, that's, that hasn't been too bad, but your time is pretty damn close to mine. <laughs> I think I, I just wait it's for the struggle though. <laughs> that's the thing really. Yeah. Well, yeah, like it's been a bit of a struggle. That first run that I went on, I remember not even like a quarter of a mile into it, just like, holy shit. Like I just felt like crap. My heart was pounding. My chest was full. My legs were already aching. I was getting a bit of a static. Like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to make be able to make it through this first one. But like I've kind of alluded to in my stories, it's been cool like to document it. And every time that I do run to see the progression happen and um, just for it to feel a little bit easier. You know what I mean? Like just, uh, it's weird how the body works that way. Like it truly is adaptive. And when you document it and see what's happening over time, like with what you're doing and a little bit easier that it gets, um, that journey has been super fun. But like, as far as just running goes as, as like something to do or a hobby, it's not my jam. 
got the butt weighing you down, dude. Yeah, dude. I got that butt. I got big thighs. So, I, so my legs start chafing against one another. I'm like, screw <laughs> this, bro. You're just clapping. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyways, no, dude. I, I think that – I don't know if the six-minute mile thing is realistic or not. I really have to find out. I have no concept of that, dude. Truly, I feel like I have no idea. Do you think you could hit a six-minute mile? Are you running twice a week now or just once? Still just once. I'm going to move it to twice. But I'm going to start – I've got a big old hill. I'm going to start at the top of the hill. (laughs) It's like a mile long. (laughs) And I'm going to run down the hill and not tell anybody and post like I run a six-minute mile. It's going to be like a a steep, like a 15% incline. (laughs) Then I could probably do it. But, no, my goal is to – I want to hit just underneath of a seven. So the first week that I ran it, I ran a nine thirty. The second week I ran an eight thirty, and then this this is well the third week. Last week this is the fourth week. So last week I ran it just above eight, um, and so I've got like nine or ten. If I start doubling up and do it twice per week, I'll have a lot more frequency, which I definitely think that I can hit under under seven. Like that was my goal, hitting an actual six. No way. Like I said, if I'm on a 15% incline or decline, then maybe, but, but without that, no way. But I, I do think I can get around like a underneath of a, underneath of a seven for sure. Back when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I would run it. I mean, that was a long ass time ago, but back then I remember running it in like low seven. So that's the thing, dude, it was weird to me too. Is like, I was thinking about the same thing, like in eighth grade, I w- it was below seven. I know. Really? Maybe I just have bad memory. I don't know. But it's weird that like now still with the amount of muscle mass that you've built, which granted is a heavier body, but you would think that truly you would like be in better condition all around than you were like then, right? Like in eighth grade, I wasn't trying. I'm not. <laughs> but apparently not. So I don't, I don't know, dude. It's been cool though, regardless, man. Yeah, it has. We'll see where it gets. I've got Cade. Kate doing it now too. We set up his nineties for him um, last week or the week before. And I made him throw that in too, just because like, it's a challenge, right? Like to get up in the morning and be like, crap, I got to run today. You don't want to do it. And then like, it's a struggle to get through it. And then after like the rest of my day feels so good when I've accomplished that. And I sit down at the desk, it's like, I already feel so accomplished for the day. And like, I lead that into the rest of the day. So, so no, man, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Have the cold showers been hard for you? Not terribly, but I mean, I don't know if I'm doing the cold showers the same way everybody else is doing the cold showers. How so? <laughs> <laughs> how, how do your cold showers go? I, like, I, you just turn it cold and you hop in and sit there and shower yeah. and then hop out? Yeah, I haven't. I, the first like, week I was letting myself turn it to warm after I like, completely soaked up and washed myself off. But then I feel like it was like knowing it was gonna I was trying to like I've been trying to train my mind to like not expect it to get a lot easier whereas I think it's almost easier to like do it and then like no okay I can just turn the water to warm so now I've just been doing the the entire thing has to be cold and honestly like really yeah I haven't been doing that (laughs) what have you been doing (laughs) I get it (laughs) I don't want to admit it (laughs) I get I get in with it warm and I shower and then I turn it to cold and sit there with it cold for 30 seconds and then get out. So I mean, like I enjoy, I enjoy my shower, and then I I suffer for the last thirty seconds. I feel good about it so far, so I still consider it. But I know that everybody else, it's kind of the the pansy way out. But I freaking hate the cold showers, dude. They suck so bad. <laughs> I I was reading my first book was this one about the Spartans, dude, and it just got me into like all this like 
hardcore. Oh yeah, like all the stuff they did for mental toughness. I thought, fuck yeah, I gotta, I gotta keep this bitch cold the entire time. I'm start running more often. Just all this stuff is. What? what it's kind of addicting. What? Just like that mentality. Oh yeah, it's it's like it's helpful, dude. Very. Yeah, yeah, it's addicting. What, what book have you been reading? I um, so I started on the Alchemist. Okay. for the first minute and then my 90 day outcome though was to read four of the um what were they now i just went brain dead four um what's it called it's not self-help personal development personal development that's the word i'm looking for so my my 90 days was to read four personal development books so i started on the alchemist but like this is it sounds like an excuse i stopped reading it after the first minute and then just switched over to the personal development books just so that I could reach the nineties. Um, but I need to get back into that. But the first personal development book that I read was rocket fuel, which is about like building a business and delegating the, the idea of like, um, being a visionary and then having an integrator, like bringing those two together to build a company. So I read that one. It was really good. And now I'm reading, I actually have never read atomic habits by James clear. Dude, I only like 40 pages into it. And seriously, I have a notebook and I'm just like writing down quotes day after day, thinking of ways to, to use that content and my own ideas because he resonates with me so well. I'm sure he does for a guy like you too and myself and other fitness professionals. Um, he would, he, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I wake up excited to read it just because he has so many nuggets in there. The way that he breaks it down makes so much sense. No, dude, that book is insane. Truly, I think it like one of the top top two books has changed my life is atomic habits because it's like not it's not like doesn't seem like self-help or personal development e at all but it's so good at like the shit that you do that drives you crazy or like the person that you want to be but it's like that basically your habits are the thing that are keeping you from achieving that here's how you change that and it's like such i there's that's the book by far that i've sent the most to clients such a good book dude i'm i'm so to reading that yeah, it's um I've heard a ton about it. I've actually I've owned it for like the last year and a half. But for whatever reason I've never actually read it. And so that was part of the reason that I wanted to set this for my 90s. And uh yeah, man, it's been it's been super eye-opening. Like there's so many just little nuggets there that that like I realize with myself and you start to really realize that anything that you want is just developing a habit away. You know what I mean? Like brings it back to that whole persistence thing a little bit too. And like that's why I resonate with it so well. That's a good ass quote, by the way. Anything you want to just have it away. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna write that down too. That's gonna go on my um, my lost and lifting IG. See <laughs> me post that in like five minutes. Yeah, uh, exactly. Cool, man. You wanna end it here? Yeah, it sounds good. Dope, dude. All right, as always, we appreciate y'all tuning in, and we will talk to you soon.